Welcome to our Business in Focus podcast. I'm Quentin Cole, Head of Industries at PwC and member of our UK Management Board. I'm inviting some of our own PwC industry experts alongside leading voices from industry to discuss some of the trends that we're seeing in particular sectors. Today we're looking at the big themes that emerged during the pandemic, notably digital consumption, and more broadly how the changes seen through technology, media and advertising are now creating opportunities and challenges for organisations. I'm delighted to be joined by Lindsay Patterson, Chief Client Officer at WPP, and our very own Mary Shelton Rhodes, who leads our technology, media and telecoms practice. So Mary, a good starting point is probably assessing some of the big themes that have emerged in the TMT space since COVID, and which of those are likely to endure. So what are you seeing? So Quentin, I'd say really three things. Uh, First, I would say the structural digital acceleration, those trends are going to continue. If you look at our Global Entertainment and Media Outlook report, we show that digital consumption is set to grow to 100 billion by 2026 here in the UK. And that's really powered by the second thing, which is a shift to digital and mobile first. Content, which is going to be increasingly focused on serving youth wherever they may be. And part of that story is really continuing growth in VR and AR, which are showing to be about 17% per annum. And then lastly, I would just say it's all about the customer experience and continuing that journey. Fantastic. And Lindsay, turning attention to you here, um, given the range of industries uh, you work with at WPP, are there any particular sectors that have been or will be big winners from these trends? Yeah, I mean, just to go back, just some stats to help out. Um, 60% of shoppers say they want their future work habits to include more working from home. So I don't think that would accelerate, but that's just a, a change in how everybody's expecting to live and work, which is going to have implications on how we try and communicate with them. I think the importance, and Mary spoke to this, of having a good customer experience um, across all channels, and that's really challenging, and I'm sure we'll come back to that. Um, but that will stay. And then I think consumers have really focused during the pandemic on how people reacted and responded to the crisis and how they reacted and responded to George Floyd and therefore the morals and ethics and purpose of a, of a company is quite normal behaviour. So I see that would would uh, continue. Um, what will continue to grow? Spend online, 57% online. Consumers who are super comfortable using technology. So that final vanguard of old people, my mum, your mum, actually realising that online shopping was fine and doing anything online was fine. Um, and I think uh, what will continue to grow within online shopping is is shopping through social commerce. In terms of what may fall back, we saw quite a lot of wariness, again, in that older audience of people going back to shop in-store. Um, 36% of people are still wary of that, but that was 45% a year ago. And 35% of people now are shopping via marketplaces, but actually that was about 45% last year. So that's quite interesting that they're pulling back from that. So those are kind of consumer trends, so I'm talking too much. In terms of the sector, which was actually the question you asked me, um, what did really well? Technology, obviously, apps, software... A software that will help you work from home or be entertained at home. But then allied to the working from home, cyber software, massive focus, which obviously is a core part of the area you cover, Mary. The pharma industry obviously did very well. Bits of CPG did well as they learned to pivot their business. Beauty and Lux did really well. And then retail 
after it pivoted is still, I would say, in flux. Autos had a bit of a nightmare, but that's more to do with the supply chain. Um, and travel, still super challenged. We've seen a lot of that in the last uh, last few weeks. So there's a, a lot's happened, a lot's changing, and some of those developments I think are, are really exciting. Uh, but no doubt some of them aren't without their challenges for businesses. And perhaps turning to you, Mary, what are you seeing when it comes to how businesses are responding to those kind of consumer needs, consumer kind of lifestyle patterns? Yeah, I, I think there's huge opportunity, and we see different industries leaning in in different ways. I think what we're also seeing is how companies are starting to appreciate the structural complexity of what this world brings. So areas like data and privacy and, of course, the economic challenges that I think we're, we're all seeing in the, in the not-too-distant future – even if you think about some of the biggest platform companies that were really winners early on are starting to see some challenges as they, um, as they see the impacts of what I would call sort of the less time and maybe less money phenomenon. So people are going back to work. So they're spending less time at home and have less time to consume content. Um, and they may have less money, less discretionary income because of the rising effects of inflation. So I think what all that means is customers are really looking at the value of the content they're consuming, of the goods they're purchasing, and they're making judgments about that and about where they're going to choose to spend their funds. So I, it's at the end of the day, it's a really great opportunity to, to engage with customers much more closely to understand what makes your product or your service or your content sticky what makes it differentiated, how do you advertise it, which I'll turn to Lindsay in a moment, and then what does that mean to the overall trends of the industry? That's great. And Lindsay, it would be great to get your perspective on some of the sort of challenges as business try to respond. Yeah, I mean, I, inflation, I think, is really hitting businesses hard because consumers can't take any more price premium. <laughs> I think uh, many clients have, have loaded the consumer and, and the, the spend just is not there so we have to be thoughtful about how we manage budgets and I guess for us simplistically is the mix between advertising and promotion the mix between short term and long term so one of our clients I was with this morning talk about um, sales overnight and brand over time and I wonder how many of our clients will shift more to sales overnight and pull back from brands over time and of course we have lots of research research sorry that says you should spend during a recession uh sorry i got to the r word <laughs> we're coming to a recession but you should spend your way through it and not fall back from the long-term impact of a brand and i think that would be really challenging because you know to the earlier points purpose and what a brand and really what a company stands for are more important than ever and and, and mary raised the point about most of our clients are thinking about the younger audience, so Gen Z. Purpose matters more to them than anyone else. Um, so I think we, we're going to have to be careful. Um, having said that, people say one thing and then their actions. So we talk <laughs> about the gap between people wanting to do the right thing versus people being able to afford to do the right thing. And I think we'll, we're ever looking at, at the difference between those two things as we think about the messages that we want to communicate. Are we trying to say buy now, buy quickly, or are we trying to say um, trust this company? It looks after its employees and it 
cares about the environment and they're very different messages and I think there can be a tendency to flip between the two which is confusing for consumers. Thank you. A, a new word to a lot of people that we're seeing a lot is, is metaverse uh, and I know just, you haven't really touched upon it yet. It'd be great to get both of your perspectives really on maybe firstly is it really here? What should companies be doing about it and, and what's it mean for us all? It's here, but I think it's been here for 25 years. <laughs> I think what's new is the term metaverse, which is a coverall term to cover AR, VR, now NFTs and then blockchain or Web 3.0. And those are four very different technologies which combined are different aspects of the metaverse. But actually, Second Life was part of the metaverse. QR codes have been around for a very long time. They just realised their true potential during COVID, but anything that is it can be a mix of where technology is augmenting a real life experience could be considered the metaverse. But what is new is actually the really the the focus on how that might be monetized in the future. And I think that's really where certainly our clients are getting very excited. And as we begin to talk to clients about it, I think there's a few things. One, we're generally talking a board level to mm. clients because there's so much noise around it and a lack of understanding. I think two, we're very conscious of the I'm very careful that there's a metaverse for good. I think some of the challenges we've seen in the online world, particularly the social platforms over the last five or so years, make us careful about how we enter the metaverse and, and working at a cross-industry function to ensure that the right regulations and controls um, and that it's democratised and open. And that that's quite hard. But it will be big. Um so I would say experiment, but don't don't bet your house on it. So it's definitely here, Mary. What should companies be doing about it? So I, I might take a tiny bit of a contrary view there just for fun. I think it's still relatively nascent in its potential. So we may be agreeing, actually. But yeah. I think it's been here a long time. But because of the advances in technology and because of people's willingness to consume things in digital ways, I think they're much more willing to be able to recreate or have a different experience but get the same sort of objective in a virtual world versus doing it in a physical world. And so, I mean, I think about the metaverse in terms of people, places, and things, right? We're still people, we're gonna be interacting, we'll do it in a different place, and we might be acquiring things like NFTs, um, so different things that we might acquire in a different way. I wanted to pick up actually on something Lindsay said about trust, because I think trust is really important in the metaverse. It's not um, like you're walking in a physical store. So how does your customer really know you are who you say you are? Have you covered your basis from a cyber perspective, as you mentioned? Um, have you Are you handling a customer's privacy in the way that they've asked for it or expected it? And then I think there are structural issues around it, um, data, taxation, things like that, that companies really need to think about. And lastly, I would just say uh, partnering with others in the metaverse is going to become increasingly important as you have to move at speed to get the experiences that you want. And something I know Lindsay's an expert in is how do you really build your brand with purpose in that metaverse environment? Yeah, and I think that's, I think we are agreeing that it's nascent, but it's, and I think COVID, you know, to your first question, Quentin, obviously accelerated that trend and shame on us for not flagging it. But of course, people were stuck at home and actually therefore being stuck at home and entering a world that was augmented was more interesting because we were all quite bored of <laughs> sitting at our kitchen table. But I think um, 
I was reading a report that Roblox um, produced about three weeks ago. Roblox has 4 million daily active users and 50% are under 13, which you may raise your eyebrows at, but if you've got kids, you won't. Uh, but actually what's interesting is that 50% are over 13 because everyone thought that was just a kid's game and it's not just a kid's game. And actually the way that they build their blocks, I think is very interesting. And they, you know, to the point of metaverse is this catch-all phrase, you know, it's a, it, it makes real money for people. So you obviously pay on Roblox to get Robux. So they're making physical money. There's no reliance. They don't, they're not interested in crypto or blockchain technology. And the platform pays out about 150 million to developers quarterly through normal dollars. So that's real expenditure. But a good example of where um, partnership, to your point, Mary, is coming in Forever 21. Um, they licensed its brand, actually, to a Roblox developer, VBG, who've then developed uh, in-game and physical articles of clothing. And actually, they're the top-selling item on Roblox. So VBG and Roblox earn a share of the proceeds from the virtual item, so great revenue stream. And Forever 21 earns a licensing income, and they're getting marketing value. And that's quite a different way of thinking about how you might generate traction with that elusive Gen Z audience, um, so giving them something fun to play with. But quite brave as well, I think, of Forever 21 to license their brand. Fantastic. Well, look, clearly one for us to, to watch closely over time. Let's turn to something that does seem perhaps even more immediate uh, and perhaps defined for our audience, and that's the increasing prominence of purpose. And you touched on that earlier, Lindsay. We know from our own employees, our friends, our families, our consumer research even, how this is becoming increasingly important. And it seems there's a huge opportunity to broaden the message we convey through advertising and media beyond just products and services to topics such as purpose. So perhaps, Lindsay, how is this creating change in the world of advertising at the moment? Mm. So again, I'll start with some stats. So I'll talk about consumers first, and then I want to talk about employees because sometimes we separate them, but actually they're often <laughs> just one person, as we all are. So 61% of consumers feel like sustainability isn't their responsibility. It's up to businesses and products. So they want it, but they're a bit like, so can you just sort that out for me, PwC or Adidas or Unilever? 60% agree that companies must make sacrifices to end racism and xenophobia, even if that means losing a brand name advertising icons or business so I dug into that a bit so you might some of it depends where the listeners from but Aunt Jemima which is a massive iconic syrup brand Mary will know it well in the states is now um, just the pearl milling company Uncle Ben's the rice brand is now Ben's original the Washington Redskins which I think actually some people have been complaining about for many years the NFL team is now the Washington Commanders so actually that's real a real impetus from consumers or society really saying that this is unacceptable you have to change and there's a lot of heritage in those brands and products but they are changing and 51% of consumers think brands have an important part to play in conversations around gender equality but then I think what's also interesting is attracting employees so 75% of millennials look at a company's sustainability strategy when considering where to work 77% of Gen Z's want to work for an organization where the values align with their own and that's challenging because their values are quite tough um, and for the world's largest companies when we run surveys as you do nearly 100% so let's say 99% of CEOs believe sustainability is critical to their company's success so it's super high in everyone's agenda and I think people are just balancing what to let go of how to move forward and how to 
and what to do with brands and advertising, but really what to do with their own company. So is my chicken, simplistically, is it green chicken? Is it happy chicken or is it cheap chicken? I mean, let's work out the advertising. Different Three very different advertising messages. But actually, for the corporation selling that chicken, what are you doing? And are employees going to be proud to work there? And consumers will also check what the corporation is doing um, versus the products that's being served. So I think there's... It's complex, but it's definitely here, and, and we're really trying to help our clients figure out their way through it. And actually, again, sorry, a client, I asked them about their own net zero targets, um, <laughs> and they told me net zero by 2050, and I, I actually laughed. This was this morning. Was, I mean, completely unacceptable. This is not an oil and gas company. <laughs> and so they have to do they have to do better than that. And I was going to ask you, actually, just a follow-on question real risks for those companies that that don't adopt and adapt to this kind of requirement yeah the, the consumers won't buy their product they will boycott their brands and employees won't want to work there yeah so this is a game changer it's a game basically. changer Ma- mary your perspective well first i would like for my chicken to be happy and green but i'd be willing to pay just a bit more for it if it's happy and green yeah. um, I, I think Another dimension of this is how you actually talk about what your strategy is around purpose and the fact, as Lindsay mentioned it, you really have to live it. Um, We're just in a world where you have to manage all of your stakeholders with a very transparent and consistent communication because what gets said on the inside gets repeated on the outside very quickly and compared. And so I think when you think about your employees, your customers, your investors, the public at large, people that you might be partnering with, as we've spoken a little bit about partnering, that conversation and the consistency of it is really, really important as, as you move forward. And so that just getting that alignment in what you value and finding your path, which is really hard to doing well and doing good at the same time. And on our executives of our clients, both are on the agenda. Today, maybe there's a little bit of a, a path to differentiate yourself and have a competitive advantage. I think it just becomes table stakes as we move forward into the future. I was interested about your, your chicken and, and paying more, <laughs> just to, to dwell on that for a moment. You know, Lindsay's mentioned the R word, but you know whether it's recession, we're certainly seeing tough time for consumers and, and, and the public. Will people pay more in, in a kind of hardening economic environment, or do you think that will actually test those principles for people and perhaps questions to both yeah, of you it, it's a great question i i think it will absolutely test the principles mm. and it will test what you're willing to pay more for i think what's a given is that consumers will become more educated and they are listening to what you say about your purpose and what you're doing around your green initiatives and so i think what's different than in the past is they will make conscious decisions about where they will choose to pay more and where they will not and that will be a very strong consideration for them in that decision. I think the rise in convenience is is a trend that I wonder if that will stagnate or go back because people have become lazy. Um, It's not great for the environment to have (laughs) everyone running, running around delivering, you know, a bottle of washing up liquid or a carton of chips um it's not particularly healthy for the individual they could get up and walk and get it i'm for some in some some places in some urban places and and the cost premium of that doesn't make sense actually in an inflationary world moving perhaps to a recession so i think some of the convenience factors and trends we've seen 
I think they're going to be really impacted by the economic situation. I think we're seeing that already. Like I see differential pricing when I order takeaway or have it delivered versus go and get it myself. And it's meaningful. Like there's a meaningful trend there that I'm going to go get my happy green chicken with my own two feet. (laughs) (laughs) And actually someone said to me that Domino's are now advertising in the States and they say it's cheaper to come and pick it up in store, which is the first time everyone's been so quick to rush to delivery. But there's a disaggregation of delivery and actually your control over your immediate supply chain is challenged mm. so balance between sort of convenience price and values isn't it and we're going to yeah. see that tested Those even levers. more yeah I, I i don't really want to move away from the chicken but i feel i have to <laughs> but i'm going to latch on to something else you said uh, mary around transformation and i guess given the nature of this sector in terms of the creativity the technology and having a reputation for transformation how are you seeing companies effectively transform in this sort of tmt marketplace So first, I'd actually start with the word transformation. I think it's a challenging word because when you say you're going to transform and infers that you're done, that you complete a journey, I think we're in a world where you never really complete that journey. I think you have to be continuing, you have to continue to be agile and you have to develop muscles as an organization that allow you to transform as you need to, um, to the trends as they evolve. So I think the biggest challenge in transformation is really humans, right? It's really us. As you think about a transformation and as we all undertake them in our businesses, we really have to start with what is the purpose, what is the outcomes that we're trying to achieve, and how does this impact the human beings that are going to be part of that transformation over time? So I see more focus, certainly more focus on how to use technology in a better way, but a greater appreciation of it's typically not the technology that's hard. It's the people part of it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the world's most overused word because it means so many different things to different people. Um, and I think it's vital we recognise, actually, that there's just an ennui with the word transformation and the amount of organisational change that many of our clients have gone through. And, and that's been hard. You know, the two years, two and a half years of COVID have been hard. The challenges on racial inequity, particularly in the US and UK, have been, has been felt very keenly. Um, and I think people are tired. They're a bit tired and they need motivating, as Mary says, with why are we changing? Because people kind of go, what, what does it mean? for me. So I think you need to get really clear and specific about what it is you're trying to do. So internal comms is really, really important. Um, I think showing that you're investing in people, in humans, you know, uh, so we're seeing a big focus on L&D and when we're working with our clients on org change, it's it's about cultural change and bringing people along and showing, you've got to attract and retain employees in quite a tough environment. So I think understanding how you can communicate and then train and develop and inspire people and earlier this year we asked um, some of our senior CMOs around the world is what's got the greatest potential to unlock growth in 2022 and how well equipped are you to take it on and and much of what came back as as expected so digital transformation is first whatever that means omnichannel sales the metaverse (laughs) and a connected um, smart customer experience but what was surprising was where the employee experience came in and we added that in so but it came second only to digital tra- digital transformation which was new and also com- the employee experience as a driver of growth was the one our CMOs felt least well equipped to tackle 
So after all of these structural changes, all of these business challenges, all of this pivoting and reorging, actually, how are they going to tackle the employee experience? Um, and they don't feel well equipped to do it. And I think that's something where companies like both WBP and PwC with slightly different skill sets, but often many shared clients, where the, the combination of resources and expertise may come to play. Fantastic. Well, listen, we, we've covered a lot of ground uh, over the last uh, 20 minutes. Just thinking about advice to the listeners to help them get started in tackling some of the challenges, issues, but also I think opportunities that you've talked about. Perhaps start with you, Lindsay. Big points of advice for people out there? Okay, so I'll, I'll do two. So Metaverse, just get going. Open a, um, a MetaMask wallet, buy an NFT try a headset if you've got kids go and actually look at what they're doing on on Fortnite or on roblox so just get going and try and understand you know years ago i had clients to kind of go oh i'm not on instagram or i'm not on snapchat and i was like well shame on you you know (laughs) get out there and experience it and it's not that hard i'd say in terms of the employee experience as i think you have to be really focused on how do you give a great experience to your employees so that you retain talent and you can acquire it in, in a really competitive job market? So used to looking at net sales, but actually employee satisfaction as well as client satisfaction is really important. And actually we're doing some work at the moment to run the correlation. And no surprise, actually, for clients where we have the highest employee satisfaction, we have the highest client satisfaction and vice versa. So there's definitely a positive spin wheel. I think also think about your employees as drivers of cultural change. You know, during lockdown, employees grew a strong voice and, and they kind of got used to having a point of view. I'm sure you feel it's, it on your ex-go. And it stayed. And it's great, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And then I think thirdly, you know, your employees are, they live and breathe and are an embodiment of your brand. So how they experience you, how they experience PwC, how they experience WPP manifests itself because they are real people as we keep coming back to in the world so it matters more than perhaps we ever thought in the past and they're one of the if not the most important stakeholder so what advice can you give then me well first i would pay attention to what Lindsay said because i think she's absolutely right on on all fronts there a couple things i would add pay attention to the structural challenges the things that we're talking about are significant changes and they're not easy so pay attention to the structural challenges so that when you are ready to take advantage of the rapid scale and the growth, you're well suited to do that and you've got everything you need to have in place. The other thing I'll I'll just close with is Lindsay mentioned things like employee satisfaction, customer satisfaction. If you want that on a sustained basis, you really have to focus on trust and what it takes to build trust in the relationships with your employees, with your customers, with your ecosystem partners. They're what takes the friction out of the systems in which we need to operate in the way that we need to run our businesses. Um, but they're really, it's really important to how we conduct business and how we impact people as human beings as we move forward. So I would just close with the importance of trust. It's fantastic, Mary. Thank you. That draws us to the close of another In Conversation With episode in our Business in Focus podcast. Thank you so much, Mary, and of course, Lindsay, for taking part. You can discover more insights from our experts about the trends affecting industries and the practical steps to take on our website, pwc.co.uk backslash industry. And of course, thank you to everybody for listening. Finally, don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with the future episodes. Thanks everyone, and please tune in again soon.